0: to episode 63 of Off the Record, as we teased two weeks ago and then re-teased accidentally last week, and now we're not teasing you this week. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a different episode today. Um, we planned to save the music industry a while ago. Ultimately, we decided, how can we save the music industry if we can't be as popular as Donald Trump in 2015? <laughs> I'm so glad you got to say that and not me. Yeah, I did it. Uh, We're going to talk about something. Uh, And first, we're going to do a little bit of follow-up from last week's episode where we talked about the Maine who are doing a tour for free later this year. Um, And before that, I will say, if you have any comments or feedback for Off The Record, you can check in on us at offtherecord.fm to leave questions on Tumblr, or you can tweet us, uh, hashtag askOTR for questions, and we will uh, get back to you. But uh, first, some follow-up. There's a band called Wilco. I've never listened. I can't believe you have to say this. I've never listened to them. I've known about them for forever, I think. I've never listened to them. I'm not sure if I ever will. So
1: so, so as the person who actually knows music history, this is what I'll say. They did a record called Summer Teeth, which if you like, like really good pop songs in the rock genre, the dad rock genre, it's very good. I can see if you like transatlanticism, Death Cab, you could very much like... Summer Teeth. I
0: think they have a popular album called Foxtrot Cowboy. Yankee Fox Hotel Foxtrot or something that's like that. One. So
1: that's the that's the one that has the movie. And I would say this, that's a really good music business movie.
0: Right, yeah. That's well, that's almost why I'm more aware of vocal than anything, because one time one day when I watch documentaries, I will watch this one. Yeah, that's definitely a
1: like must see documentary. Uh for the music business. It's 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 good. I don't love that record. I think there's like a song or two that's good, but that's like, they had like maybe an album and then a couple songs here and there that I really liked, and then the rest is so dad rock. I can't fuck with dad rock, as we know.
0: But anyway.
1: Yes. So they put out a free album through the epitaph moniker Anti this week.
0: Yes, as uh, a day before they played the Pitchfork Pitchfork Festival in Chicago, I believe their hometown, their hometown. Yeah, so they released this free album out of nowhere on Anti, and it was called Star Wars, or it is called Star Wars. Um, that's what we call timely marketing. Yeah, but it's. I mean, it is a.
1: It's not a double entendre. It's a, a double thing because they're really talking about the celebrity. Beefing. I have no idea what they're talking about. That's that's what I perceived from what the quick second I listened to the song. Ah, okay. And then I went, yep, sounds like dad rock. I'm out. Uh-huh. But I, what I think is interesting this is a
0: big band. We, we should a say a very
1: very big band. Um, basically, I, I would say doesn't play to under five thousand people. Yeah, in, they just announced a near tour and a lot of
0: them are in amphitheaters.
1: Yeah, so. they don't play to under five thousand in most cities in America. So, but what I think is interesting, because we were talking about the main last week doing this free tour, is that predominantly when you're in the music business these days, you hear that when you're a young band starting out. like I often say until you have a song with 50,000 or more than one song with 50,000 streams on Spotify, you should be giving away your music for free because you don't want to put a gateways in between that. And that's not to say that your music can't be for sale on – iTunes or Bandcamp, but there should be a free way to get it. And I still very much believe that even in a streaming world. But what I think we're seeing now is that there's a lot of bands being really smart about knowing, like, hey, we've kind of plateaued. We're playing to the same people. We're not getting as many new fans as we get. What can we do? And I think that that's really what you're seeing the main do with this free tour is this will get them out to a whole lot of new people and get them new fans. And the same thing with Wilco is this is probably going to get them a good amount of attention and new fans.
0: And I will say, uh, just as a little follow up to the actual main tour. Um, so they're playing, the free shows are in interesting places. A lot of them are at malls and stuff. So there's no cap. And I think the promotion was kind of like, yes, we'll let you play here for free. And the, that means people will come to our mall or to wherever to shop, hopefully. Um, so that's interesting. And also, while the main are not necessarily asking fans for money, they are giving the option. Um, there's a service called cash.me which is from Square, um, I think from Square, um, where you can send the band a donation of zero to a good million dollars uh, as kind of like a thank you for a ticket, basically. This is from Square, yes. Yeah, so that's interesting as well. It's definitely not going to make them nearly as much money as it, it could have if they did a real tour, but I am kind of curious. I, I, I won't necessarily find out, but I am curious if they will receive thousands of dollars uh or not from this thing. But anyway, thought I'd mention that. Thought it was interesting. Still think it's an interesting thing. I
1: do do too. And I, I bet you they're gonna see great dividends from this of uh fan exposure.
0: Yeah, and further on the note of what Jesse was just saying with uh sh- sorry, with free music, like, you know, you, even if you're not necessarily plateauing, what we did for Knucklepuck before we announced Copacetic uh was we made their Bandcamp free for... uh, We put all their prior releases on Bandcamp for free for like two or so weeks. So we received about 10,000 downloads for Knucklepuck in a period of 10 days um, from putting all the band's music for free on Bandcamp. Uh, And I think about half of those email addresses were brand new. Uh, Wow, that's really good. So we put five to 6,000 new email addresses in our newsletter where we announced the band's album uh, on as soon as it went up, and then we sent a secondary newsletter to uh, for when the pre-orders and first song went up. So we were able to send a newsletter to thousands of people um, just because we were like, "Hey, you know what? One, we should get our new music, our old music, in, in, in front of as many new fans that do not have it, and then two, we should have as much like artillery as possible or ammo as possible to send out." As soon as we do announce our new album, so people can pre order it or listen to the new music or be excited to go to Warp Tour and buy merch or something like that. And it, I mean, that's a clear success. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm really, really glad we did that. But, you know, there, there's all sorts of things you can use your music for leverage in other ways. Even if, the, you know, we obviously would not have gotten 10,000 people to buy songs in 10 days, right? So the fact that we can leverage those, all those download addresses to, Buy music or come to a show, and those email addresses, unless you know people delete them or abandon them, do not go bad in the future. So those are it's a you know it's a no brainer long term in my opinion. Did you see that really interesting statistic about the Hillary Clinton two thousand eight? Oh my emails? gosh! Yeah, you want to you want to tell the Democrats? Yeah. Well, so um,
1: there's a really interesting statistic about the emails Hillary collected on her two thousand eight campaign, and uh, it was. Well, now I have to get the real numbers. I think she
0: had 2 million email addresses and now only 100 or 200,000 of them are still active. Or that's the general point, at least, you know? Yeah, I want to say that that was what it was.
1: Um, but I think that that's an interesting thing as somebody. Um, one of my email addresses that I don't write from, but that I do keep active uh, – my Mac.com address, I mean, I've literally now, I think I've had that since 2002 or so one. Soon, I wasn't man. even born yet. <laughs> so I, I just think it's funny. I always think it's funny, too, when people abandon an email address instead of getting it to forward on to, to their new one because it's it just seems ridiculous to me because, I mean, I guess it's also because I've been in business for myself and I my business
0: goes off of people being able to contact me. I agree. I I will just say though that like that Hillary stat was kind of insane to me. Like like to me those are either spam email addresses to begin with or like man did everyone like I don't know. I guess maybe everyone just maybe everyone just stopped using Yahoo. A lot of college kids. I oh, think that that that's might be a good reason thing.
1: actually. College. I Co- think col- that, college kids and people moving from Yahoo to Gmail. Or get just started to use yeah, their yeah, job Yeah, Just email. like a ban-
0: You know, if I had my direct email and it gets, de- you know, if it gets deleted in a year and a half or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, but yeah, man. Imagine having, oh god,
1: it's a rough one. A real, it's rough a real, one. real, real rough time. Yeah. So on to the the meat of the show. So throughout the time we've done this podcast, it began to become grimmer and grimmer as we discuss. How badly musicians were compensated, but also, you know, I don't believe there's any way forward
0: but streaming music. Um, Stuck between a buffer and a stream. <sighs> that was not good, dude. I know. I thought it was gonna you, be you, good. You, you, you've and been
1: I, batting pretty high lately, but that know, was definitely gotta, a swig at a serious. Yeah, miss. that's probably what
0: I get for seeing Taylor Swift last week. <laughs> <laughs> I was so hoping we wouldn't mention
1: her this episode by the um, way
0: for anyone that uh, would like to see what it looks like when Jesse dances to toil- Taylor Swift, you yeah, can go right. to twitter.com slash off the record FM there's a great photo of Jesse throwing his arms up in the air as 22 came on at a DJ night in Brooklyn that he went to.
1: I think it was actually sugar Colt memory dude. Oh my
0: God, do you like sugar Colt? That song is one of the best
1: pop Isn't songs. Isn't that just.
0: That song a is hit. amazing. That band honestly had hits. Like, cool. I don't
1: know. They, they, they had a lot, just like you, a lot of misses, but when they got a hit, man, it was out of the park. Like, that song you, is like Jesse. one of the best, best <laughs> pop, like pop with a capital P O P punk songs.
0: It is unjust. Whoo, and even that Neon on.
1: Tree song he co wrote is really good. Yeah, that
0: guy has money now for sure.
1: Totes. So at some point it hit me that musicians as a whole in a nonprofit should own a streaming service because what's going on with the compensation right now and the lack of musicians saying it is kind of disgusting. So I went about trying to design what would be my ultimate music streaming service to compete against Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, etc., and I spent, I think, three to four months of my brain space kind of taking notes and writing up a 20-page proposal on what this would look like.
0: You brought it up to me. I heard about it a few times, then I didn't hear about it and thought it was maybe dead. And then months later, it reemerged, and I read more than I ever had for in four years of college. <laughs> he, meaning he read tw-
1: uh, 20 pages where most of them were half pages written It was it was mentally exhausting <laughs> What the long and short of it is, one of the things I came up with is that this should be a non-profit owned by musicians almost as a union So that the musicians are making negotiational changes for us So sadly, and the reason we're talking to you about this now, is I realized that this is not possible because the major labels are a disgusting cartel. Um, Right about the week that I sent this to Zach – in fact, I shouldn't say not right about the week. The day I sent this to Zach, an article came out from Turntable FM's CEO where he discussed that basically what happens to you as a music streaming service is you have to pay a large advance of your venture capital money – in order to get the major labels to not sue you. So when we see that $20 million that Sony paid the major labels, that's basically a bribe to not be sued, not have Spotify be sued by them, is basically what he was saying. And this has been a lot of the reports of this.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. You can't just create a service that sells or streams or something, even if you're going to pay it out. Mm -hmm. Because it's more like a club that you have to be let into, and at the same time in order to be even let into that club you have to have your full product anyway so it's it's and and if that and so you kind of need to break it's not a law but you kind of need to you know risk your whole livelihood and being able to be sued to have a compelling, like a major label isn't going to let you stream your music if you don't have a compelling product in the first place, but you can't have a compelling product if you don't have users or interest or whatever, but you can't necessarily want you have to either uh, be doing something that the major labels are not happy with or have your back back so broken towards major labels that users aren't going to use your service. Is that an accurate description? Yeah. And so
1: with that, what I would so it I did some research and it costs twenty million dollars to build the first iteration of MOG. MOG is now Apple Music, after it became Beats Music. Not too it, bad. Then, uh, same thing with the RDO, same thing with Spotify. So the other thing is, is cause this was gonna be a nonprofit, venture capital wasn't gonna be very interested in this. So venture capital is where all those services got their first money, but I could get free donations that are tax deductible from it. So that's how I figured I would try to raise this money. And I figured because we would then not have to pay taxes on it, we could get a leverage. But what I overlooked until I sent it to uh, Randy Nichols uh, is that none of these companies are paying taxes anyway, because they're not profitable yet. And I was grateful for him to point that out to me because I did overlook
0: that. That is just so sick, but not in a sick way.
1: Yeah, so, and you know, they will eventually have to pay taxes, but I figured this would be a way that would get this to be more fair. And one of the other things that's really frustrated me that I had built into this is that, as any of you know who've put up music, um, that in order to get your music on these services, for the most part, you need to pay a service like TuneCore CD Baby, DistroKid, or Reverb Nation to put your music up. Which most of these services, aside from Distro, can cost about $50 a year for your record.
0: Yeah, and beyond that, they have like... None of these services take percentages, but that's not true. CD Baby takes 10%. Oh, sorry. I, I don't use CD Baby. Yeah. So TuneCore could be 25 bucks for one year or, you know, 70 bucks for three year best deal kind of thing. And you never, in some ways, it's like, well, why wouldn't I do this forever? And in other ways, it's like, well, maybe I don't want to pay $70. And then you pay longer. Like, I, I do this with bad timing even sometimes. It's like, why wouldn't I pay this for five years? I own this music and then I'll do it for two years anyway. I don't know. It's all a janky system.
1: Yeah, and what I think was interesting about the MySpace era of music, aside from the shitty clothing and bad haircuts— At least you got um, Forever the Sickest Kids, man. I know, it's true. I'm forever grateful for MySpace, Forever the Sickest Kids, and Lily Allen. Everybody was able to put up their music, and it really did lead to a, like a cool thing that like it was so easy to get music out there. Now, SoundCloud and stuff like that still presents that, but I think for streaming music to truly become great, everybody has to be able to do this. What I also thought about and one of the features of the system was that everybody, so let's say a celebrity, let's call it Brangelina, decide they're going to make a mixtape about the songs they fell in love through. I don't see why you can't make a playlist and then upload audio snippets where you narrate that and then profit from your narration, just like as if it was a song. If somebody's streaming it, you should be able to get part of that money where you talk about it in that part of the stream um, just as people should be paying for it. So I wanted to do something like that where anybody could want to upload music and then two people could upload and talk about it. Because to me, one of the biggest parts that's broken of music podcasts and radio presently Is that you can't do—like, I would love nothing more than if I could go on and make an audio podcast where I could teach an ignorant motherfucker like Zach Cirillo about the history of a band he should know about, just as he has in his Start Today features. Whatever. I'd love love to guide someone through, say, The Clash and say, hey, this is what's great about this song. You should know this, know this, know that— But right now you can't do podcasts like that because the licensing fees would be absurd. Whereas if you could do that through a streaming music service, all the right stuff is already in. There's no hassle and it could just happen. And I see that as a big, big part of the future of streaming. But sadly, these um, assholes have put way too many blockades in the way of being able to do that still.
0: Right. There are clearly all sorts of like great other things that we can imagine us listening to based off of music. That's not necessarily music. That no one can necessarily afford to put the time into because financially there's no way to see a return,
1: right? Yes. And so that was some of what I wanted to try to solve. So one of the things obviously too is that we're seeing a lot with um, native advertising. If anybody listens to like the startup podcast, which is one of Zach and I's favorites, they do these ads. They actually had a great episode this week about the ads that they do. I was shocked at some of that stuff yeah
0: you tweeted you were
1: shocked I I think I mean I guess I wasn't shocked I I just
0: like to hear it was like damn this is real okay you know it it was less of like a I thought it was impossible and more of like a this is pretty unreal
1: I don't know I I grew up you know, my father is an advertising executive, dude. So I, I feel like I just grew up it's hearing just more out.
0: of a matter of like, you never, you don't necessarily know how many people are listening to some of these shows, right? Like, oh yeah, that was shocking. That's yeah. what I mean. So like, you know, the three white guys talking in a, you know, talking in a room podcast I listen to, like the most popular ones have eighty thousand listeners, which is really still pretty goddamn large. You know, eighty thousand uh, dollars, eighty thousand a week, and they sell their advertisement spots for like three to four thousand a spot. Which is a lot if you do fifty-two episodes, obviously, but and and that's a revenue of hundreds of thousands. But for what we're talking about, there's a show on Gimlet Media called uh, Reply All, uh, which I guess I did not realize was so large. And and they they expect to do two million uh, gross revenue for two thousand fifteen. Like, no, it was all of Gimlet's two two million. Okay, got it, got it. So. These are large numbers, so... um Also, but the point I wanted to make with advertising is, is
1: I think there's a lot of musicians who would be more than happy that if you found products that they actually like and actually want to endorse and then said, hey, people are going to hear you doing an ad of this in their feed or even another musician. There's often musician bu- uh, budgets for musicians for advertising that would be way more effective that, let's say you are the wonder years and you really like knuckle puck, let's say that if rise was going to put some advertising in, it'd be pretty effective to have in the wonder years playlist an ad saying, if you like us, you'd love knuckle puck. Or let's say you like wearing a brand of clothing. You like drinking a certain drink. Um, you could have that in your playlist and find a way to monetize those ads. And that was something I wanted to devote a lot of resources to because I think there's a ethical way and, you know, this giblet episode, it was very interesting of that. Like they were saying, even when they like a product that it feels weird to endorse it. And I do get that because it's just a personal preference. well, Well, it's also, let's think about this. You and I, have done ads on this show where I don't even know what the fuck the product is. Uh, And then we've done ones for products I truly love, like Limited Run. It is weird feeling to – because it kind of makes it like everything you do you love. But like, you know, when rappers are already rapping about their Gucci sneaks or white boys who beat up women named Roddy Radke, why not just do an ad and get the money? Why not have a service that's connecting you with those brands? And if you don't want to do it, you just don't do it. It's very simple. But I thought that could be an effective way of getting money back into music.
0: Totally. And and I think some people, I think most people in the world, including me, 97% of the time view ads as this horrific practice across the internet, across TV, across billboards, whatever, or buses. But, you know, ads don't necessarily need to be this terrible thing. I think a lot of us that listen to podcasts, and if you're listening to this, hopefully you, um, have kind of come to terms with like, wow, ads aren't always so terrible, but the way that we see them most of the time are horrific. And smart advertising is the advertising that should win out at the end of the day. And and something like Jesse was just talking about or or was once writing up um, is kind of an example of that. Why not leverage in a more smart way, what's going on. What what Jesse's been alluding to here, though, is that what is, um, what is reality and, and smart and kind of a no-brainer does not necessarily win out when there are walls and walls and walls of baggage built up over years and years of time, decades worth. Yes. So one of the other things that I have a
1: big problem with streaming with, and like... I'm sure you guys have all, if you listen to this show regularly, have heard Zach and I endlessly ramble on about how these streaming sites are all the same and they're not doing anything new, but you're like, oh, well, what else could they do? Well, so one of the things that's my most frustrating thing that I'm often alluding to in this is that I want a music service that connects me with strangers, not friends. Um, If you listen to this podcast because you like what Zach and I do in the world of punk, You've probably made a lot of your friends from the internet or connected with people from your shared love of music that you wouldn't otherwise know. I often tell the story of that one of my best friends since uh, I was 16 years old. Um, I'd see him. We went to high school together. I'd see him in the hallway and I looked. And I'm like, look at this little shit with his leather jacket, Dead Kennedys shirt and all this stuff. He thinks he's so fucking punk. I'd yell at him like, Sid, where's Nancy? And tease him all the time. Then I went on my AOL profile, and I get a message one day, and he had read my music taste. I read his. We started talking, and we're like, so you live in Montclair? Do you go to the other school in Montclair, Montclair, Kimberly Academy?" Then it turned out, no, we knew each other, and we went to high school with each other. We just hated each other by the looks of each other.
0: Wow, Jesse. Way to be close-minded, man. Well, but he looked
1: like the type of punk kid I hated at shows, like the fucking fashion punk losers. And I was more into
0: the music and the politics. Kind of on that note, I was at a show last night. Oh, just see, I went to two shows yesterday and one. I, I saw that it was it was a rough day for me. One, I went to Warp Tour for ten hours, and then I went to a show for three hours, and I, uh, I my life hurts a little bit, but. Um, I will say I was at the show and one of the bands said something on stage about like knowing people through music, yada, yada. And I was like, man, I wonder if I'm friends with anyone in 2015 that is not tied to music. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, through the internet, uh, through music, you know, in some kind of way. And I was like, I don't know that I can think of anyone. Yeah, the majority of my friends are Todd, who I wrote my book with. Uh, I was on a message
1: board and I met his bandmate. And they came in to do drums like everybody I'm friends with for the most part is because of the internet and music connecting me to them. You and I too. These streaming services aren't doing that. Instead of seeing the idiots I, that randomly friend me on Facebook, what they're listening to, I want them to show me the person who's most similar to me and what they're listening to so I can get recommendations on the other things they're listening to. And I want them to enable me to talk to those people So that was one of the things I really wanted to do is I also think it's just important for personal connection. Like I think about a kid who has racial biases and is ignorant to this world, what it's going to be like when they see that somebody in, what do you call it, Mongolia actually has the most similar music listening taste to them and what that will do for their worldview. And I think this is a really important thing that we need to do and that startups are failing at is that we have to show commonality and enable people learning and communicating and finding their kinships over the internet. And music's one of the strongest kinships. I think of how many people I enjoy that I've met through this podcast and Twitter from putting up articles that I really enjoy brain and reading what they're thinking each day. And that's through this. And all of these services are failing us in that way.
0: Yeah, I... And even, I mean, even the most relevant, the the most new rather, Apple Music has no really way to connect to others uh, except artists that you may follow who may or may not use the service. So, yeah, I agree. Social to me, as someone who cared zero about it, and then when I started using Apple Music was like, wow, I really wish I had it, had this, it's, it's become clear more and more every week that like this is such kind of a no-brainer of... A feature because it expands uh, you know even even if you look at it in like a negative sense or not a negative sense but kind of like what whatever like even if you look at it like oh these people on these services only want you to connect so you can find more music from other people so you can stream it and we can make more money ads off of ads or subscriptions like who cares you're still finding more music like it's a good thing for everyone the services are making more money hopefully and you're finding more music and you're connecting to more people like that's what you want. That's that's what
1: anyone that's, should want. And that's often like what Y Combinator advises is the best part of tech was when it's win-win for both your users and your profits. That's what you're really looking for in tech in tech. And that's a lot of your goal is that a product your users love and benefit from and that you profit from, that's that's the that's the jackpot.
0: Right,
1: right. Um and I, I wanted to say, like, you know, I think one of the saddest things was that SoundCloud had something like this, where SoundCloud wasn't necessarily introducing you with an algorithm to people who were similar to you, like I would like to see, but there was these groups for micro genres. And this never really caught on in punk the way I'd like, but in the dance stuff I listened to is like there'd be groups for like the most obscure genre of a genre of a subgenre stuff, and what would happen is you know, you could submit to them, or the you could submit to the admins, and then they'd choose the best stuff that was submitted to them and put it down the pike. Or if they were an open group, everybody could just post in, and the admins would then have blogs, and that's how they'd find what to post to their blogs. And that's how I first heard like huge groups, like people who are really shaking things today, like Maddie on and Porter Robinson. And I can't believe that these streaming services aren't doing something like those SoundCloud groups.
0: Yeah, it, it's just about connecting. And so um, do we want to we get a little more into what you were, a little more into other things you were trying to do here, solutions that you were trying to figure out, et cetera? Okay, so
1: yeah. So one of the other things that I'm really not happy about uh, with music is the like radio discovery thing. I think it's, radio is a silly term for it in the first place, which we could talk about some other time. What I wanted to do is I wanted to make a charts, trends, and hashtag system. So what I wanted to make it so you could do is uh, you could go on to a song. Let's, um, for Zach's promotional sake, say it's the new Knuckle Puck single off of Copacetic. And let's say you could tag that song, pop punk, happy, whatever. And people could up and down vote the tag. But the more that it was tagged and listened with that da- that tag, uh, there would be a chart created for every tag. So let's say you wanted sad boy emo songs. You could go to sad boy emo songs and then go to another Reddit-like function where you could search a chart of the all-time sad boy emo songs, the most popular ones this year, this month, this week, today, this hour – and if that's your type of thing, like, so let's just say for, like, a genre, like, you're really into mumblecore these days, you just can't get enough of that new over record, you could search the most popular songs or albums of all those different formats of mumblecore. Now, this could even get weirder where it's, like, you know, kind of like with Twitter where it could be, like, world's most depressing song and then people could keep tagging that one and make it a thing and you could – or listening to it um, – and the other thing is, is like, I just wish we could search metadata better. Like every song should be able to be searched by date. So like, cause I think one of the things that really fails us when it's like Pandora radio or Spotify radio is that there's often a preference of what we want to hear. If like you want to hear modern pop punk and then this like no use for a name song from 97 pops saw that's usually not your shit. But like that, the same thing happens to my older friends as they hear a newer pop punk song. and They're like, Oh God, this is fucking terrible. And they just want to be hearing those no-use-for-name, no-effect songs from 1996. And I want to make it so that you can search these things and then find a chart and see what's working and let that be your sortability. And I wish this was on YouTube. I wish this was on streaming. I wish this was on everything because it makes no sense that it's not. And it would also totally open up the way the Billboard charts are done. It's like, imagine if you could have a saddest song chart every week or a top punk chart every single week and see what's doing best on that. Like that seems really interesting and cool in this business and could help people find stuff they like way better.
0: Right. It's all about like, you know, it's kind of like with any sort. you know, it's the same thing for Netflix. The, the better, it's the same thing with Google too, right? The better something can get at learning what you like and what you'll like next the more you're the more time you'll spend there which will mean either the more money you give them or the more ad, re- ad revenue you can give them and that's not necessarily a bad thing again it's just like if you like every you know tv show that netflix recommends you it sounds like you have a good pretty good reco- uh, pretty good relationship with that service right like these are not necessarily i mean does
1: anybody like most of those 10 picks though
0: no that's – do you-, you like theirs i don't know i i just like tv that i would go out to pick to watch yeah, I'm just saying, like,
1: it's so rare that my top ten picks for Jesse on Netflix, as it says, are ever
0: anything. That might be because my roommates watch shitty TV if, if on my If we want to use, like, Apple Music for a second, I have actually been liking the playlists that they've been recommending. Not necessarily for discovering new music, but just for listening to other music I like in, you know, jumbled up ways. Like, all the intro to whatever band. All the intro to whatever playlist or deep cuts for a band Y playlist. Like, I've liked those. And so you know it's only more of a reason why I might go back to check out that screen again. So I think it makes complete sense to try to cater more to what the user will like so that they'll in 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 part like the service more and then by the way the artists or the record labels would see more money from that.
1: <laughs> totally. And I I just think in general too like how many times people like you know whether it's a nostalgic parent wanted to go back to 80s roller skate jams and just find a playlist of all the stuff tagged there on to just like when a new genre kind of pops out like whether it's mumblecore or whatever and B more like i really like that pc music stuff that's going on right now and i'd love to see the tag of if, if like somebody's doing a hot new track that's in the style of pc music i just it, it, it really bums me out that like this can't be sorry, because I would even love, like, let's say YouTube did this to see, like, popular tech speeches. Their algorithm is so hard to search. What they show you seems so fucking random. When I would like to just see hashtag tech speeches. What's most popular? What haven't I seen so I can watch? Let me decide instead of you thinking you know better for me. Let me have a way to do this, and th- that also doesn't need, need to be mutual exclusive. This could be two different tiers of there being recommendations and a searchable chart hashtag system on all these things.
0: Yeah, it's just you know metadata is a is a vast land that confuses everyone, but it's vital for the wor- the way the world should work. Well, <laughs> the funny thing is, is
1: there's already metadata on all of this, like the year and the genre is already entered on everything because it's required by all the aggregators.
0: Yeah, which That's is. True.
1: Which is just really silly. I was like, there's a starting point for anybody who'd want to do this before users start even doing it. It's just a shame. I'd also think it would be really fun to have things like rap fails and find really bad white boy rappers and stuff.
0: Like your DJ group from MySpace?
1: There was definitely no rapping on my solo record. I know better, and I got out of the rap game when uh, I did that uh, top 40 hit hip-hop thing in 2001. When Limp Bizkit was like, I got this. All right, dog, you need to relax over there. So, Jesse, how are you going to pay people? So I thought one of the other things is is obviously getting the profit system down. Like I thought the lack of taxes, the nonprofit, the being able to get donations. But one of the other ways I wanted to slim this down is none of these services are open source right now. So if the music community was able to help develop this, I figured that could cost – cut down some of the costs of – you know, it's kind of ridiculous when you see how much money Spotify pours into engineers to make this product. Um, It it literally is like ludicrous how many people they have working on this. When you see like something like, you know, the way Firefox or Chrome has been able to be developed through making extensions and making things like that that make the services better – I wanted to cut the, cut it down by doing that. And then the other thing is, too, is, is I felt like if we could get a higher payout, so many of the artists would leave the lower payout systems or at least force them to go up, which would have been mission accomplished as well. Because I really wanted to do this just to drive up musicians' profits for these services. Because after we did that episode where we figured out it was 84 times to get paid for a song, it got – it's pretty daunting basically doing a lot of cost cutting and then employing so if people don't understand what open source is open source means that developers outside of the company can offer and things Firefox the browser if you used to use that was a great example is so they'd offer up new builds and people will have done things to optimize how it is they would test the build and then once the build was functioning they would put it up and let that be out there for it there's extensions for it that are all able to be built on top of it so that was one of the main things I wanted to do because I think Beats and Mog had an API and stuff like that that allowed you to do some certain things. And obviously Spotify has the app section, but that's even really hoarded over. And I don't always think open source is the greatest thing. I mean, that's why Android phones suck so bad. Um, but I do think that having an alternative, like just like we've been saying, like it'd be nice to have some sort of alternative instead of three services that are mostly the same.
0: Definitely, and I think I, I, all the all the stuff about API possibilities are really interesting because, like, while everything comes back to the music, it doesn't necessarily only need to be about the songs. Like, how, how can we make sure that all the people in the world see these tour dates, or how can we make sure all the merch is taken care of, or music videos, or any kind of promotions, right? And, and yeah, like Jesse was just saying, like, Spotify has apps, and sometimes, sometimes the tour dates will be okay. Like, though, I'll log on to Spotify every once in a while, and I'll go to listen to a band, and it's telling me that they're playing in uh, Ohio on October 27th. It's like, I'm not going to be in Ohio on October 27th, or ever, hopefully. Uh, Our RDOs with Songkick seems to work pretty damn well. Yeah, and that's true. And so... But in general, like the more we can get in there in a not in a you know smart not cluttered way, it's just more residual you know potential profit and exposure for the band. And I think if any streaming service is going to win them all, in some ways, of course, it's what's going to be the best listening experience. But also in other ways, it's. It, it's giving a band the most reason—the the most amount of bands, the largest amount of bands, the most reason to to go all in on one service.
1: Um, I, I just—you know, I do, don't think that they're going to all go in on one service. I don't really think that's—I think that there really is going to be a different service for everybody. And I kind of wanted to make the one for the biggest music nerds since, duh. What about um, Tidal, man? Audio files. Yeah, right. But I, I, I think that it's just going to be—the thing is, is Apple's going to be— the one for people like that, like the ease of having their old catalog and that there. And Spotify, I th- really think, is going to become the one where people aren't paying for it and it's just going to be tons of ads because people don't want to pay for it. It's also going to become the one everybody links on the internet because it will just play for you. It's actually a really good point. I feel like. And I think, and you know, to that point, I think Amazon. Is going to be the one for you know parents who don't care that much about music or are just happy they have something for free. I think Xbox is going to be the one for kids who are, whoa, the only think they know whoa, how to play whoa, is whoa, music. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
0: Oh, I know what what is it called now? Groove. Yeah. Oh God, that hurts. That's the one my dad would think we should sign up for because it sounds the coolest. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Thank you. Uh, I got it back. Um, yeah, I, I think one more thing on that note because it's interesting to me is like Apple. Google, Microsoft, Amazon, maybe, but maybe not Facebook. Like we've talked about in the past, music, streaming services are just a commodity. They all need to have one, but it doesn't really matter that they do have one. It does make me a little more interested in, however, though, in Spotify, RDO, and to a much lesser extent, Tidal. Um, Because, like, you know, Apple, like, this is the thing. Uh, iTunes makes money for Apple. I assume Apple Music will make money for Apple. But even if it lost money, it would st- it would be a loss leader to get people to buy iPhones, which makes them money, right? So, which is great. But I wonder long term, if all the massive services in the world have streaming services, if there is really room for more than one larger non non-commodity streaming service to exist, right? Like, so Spotify continues and continues to get tons of users, then it would probably be hard for them to go away unless they never can turn any money around. But, like, RDO and Tidal, if you have all these other services and platforms that you may trust more, I just don't know that there's necessarily infinite amount of runway for them, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I could see it. I just still think that there's going to be numerous... Services, I, agree. I mean, and, if you think you know, about all that, those... keep, we keep seeing conflicting reports that Facebook's gonna have one. I don't actually believe Facebook, right. but gonna if have
0: you one. do think of all those services, I mean, like if all those giant powers have streaming services, those are like six right across the board, right? And so, that, yes. like, that's already a lot, <laughs> you know, that's more than we had iPod competitors, for example, you know, or computer competitors. So, it's like that's already a lot. No, well, no, we used to have way more computer competitors, yeah, yeah, than yeah. That. yeah, yeah, we used to not now, though. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think it's obviously interesting. But also to that note, it's going, every every single day that it goes on, it's going to be incredibly harder for someone to break in, right? A new service, which maybe goes oh, yeah. along every with what we're goes, saying Every day that goes here. on,
1: this, this. I mean, you know, but it was always funny to me when people say that because that's what everybody said during MySpace's peak. Mm. And LOL. <laughs> That's you true. Know. That's
0: true. No. I mean, really, really, really. I mean,
1: really. Uh, d- w- w- let's even keep it real here. I can remember tech blog posts that said Friendster now owned the internet. Right. And, you know, the only thing Friendster owns is a password of mine that I can't figure out how to take down pictures of an ex-girlfriend with. Whoever <laughs> I was dating in
0: 2000 and I are immortalized. Forever. But, I, you know, I will say something that's different then is like there were a few streaming services, but there weren't a whole uh, – A few, sorry, there are a few like social networks, but there weren't like dozens at that point. Like there are now streaming services and social networks now are a lot different. Like we, we've kind of uh, segregated them into different categories, um, but that's a little not necessarily the point. Yeah.
1: So to get back into this – I think one of the so the one thing that I will say that Apple Music uh, solved for me was uh, I really wanted something like Connect and they made that. I really think bands, it needs to be that if you listen to a band, like if you listen to an album more than three times, there should be able to be a thing on your preferences that says, I listen to a band more than three to five times, maybe 10 times, whatever you want to set it to, I want their news to come on a tab for me. That's the one thing Connect didn't do that I wanted to do is I wanted to have something like Connect and then whatever you post, I think that you should build a set of thing that says after three times I like this band and then their news is there. And they should be able to link you to a newsletter, show you when they put up new merch, a remix, a new album, updated a playlist, whatever it is, you should be able to do that. And then you should be able to just like Facebook say, show me less of this band, show me more of that band. And it should just be nice and customizable so you can see the news, but also not make it so hard to get news. Like, especially as Gmail has made, you know, these tabs now, so you don't really see the bands you're on the mailing lists of because they go to your social thing. And let's be honest, no one reads their social box on Gmail. Um I think that it'd be really important to to have a music service that serves us all with the information that we all wish we could get from a a band that we're passionate about. I hate nothing more, and I'm the king of seeing that a band played the day before or the night of a show I would have wanted to see them. And that's because I don't have an easy way for somebody as busy as me to see all this stuff all the time.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, There's so—I mean— this is kind of like the most stupid thing to say, but there's an ever-increasing amount of information, and it's harder for everyone, bands, blogs, producers, Taylor Swift, to keep in the mix and to keep up uh, everyone's
1: attention. Just trying to keep getting those mentions up. Good. It's a good thing we don't get like a number for every time you mention Queen Fuck Girl uh, that ranks us higher on these things.
0: Don't you wish we did? We'd probably get all sorts of tra- Taylor Swift listeners.
1: Yeah, you, you remember when Warren H- Hill said that she'd rather have her baby starve than white people buy her music. God, did she really say that? She really did say that. Damn, that's sick. She's an awful person. Anyway, I'd rather have no one listen to my podcast than have Taylor Swift fans listen to it. (laughs) Um. I see every week I, g- I give you another fact from the early 2000s, late 90s that you just you just totally missed out on. Like last week was Pete Wednesday being in a band that sings about
0: being a race We trainer. had a few comments back on that, like this was the best band ever. And I was like, I never heard of this band, first of all. And they were like, not the best band and, ever. But like a few worst. people did say that and they were definitely serious, right? So anyway – um,
1: but I think Apple is kind of solving that. I would not be shocked if Connect 2.0 is uh, helps to solve that. The last thing that I think really was relevant is that I think RDO does this somewhat well, and Spotify is starting to do it well as they've ripped them off, which is that when you go to a band's page, there should be a good amount of information and a menu bar. But the one thing I think that all these services get wrong is that there's like three tiers of bands. And these three tiers have different goals. Like the huge bands, the Metallicas, the U2s, da da like their goal is really to just keep getting you to buy, buy, buy because everybody knows who they are. But then the mid-level bands, and when I say a mid-level band, I mean everybody from like the 1975 on down to a wonder years. Like bands that could headline somewhere between 1,000 to 10,000 a night. Uh, In various cities They have totally different goals Than those bands And then the small bands Who barely have any fans Have totally different goals I think you should be able To customize your menu bar To get people to do what you do And I think that one of the things Is all these services Kind of assume everybody's Just make tools for the U2s And the Metallicas of the world And... I would love to see that it's like, you know, it's obviously most important for a small band with no fans to have a way to communicate with people and to understand their demographic. Whereas it's much more important for U2 and Metallica to sell. It's much more important for the mid-sized band to maybe have a different goal. Maybe they want you to just get hooked more and hear a sampler or watch a YouTube playlist of their songs. But I think you should be able to adjust that. And like have a, you know, Facebook's now made this call to action button where you could do it, which really seems to just be catered to what type of brand you are in Facebook size. But I think all these streaming services should allow you to be able to do different things in that. So just more flexibility and... More flexibility. And like, I also think with two is like, there's a lot of people whose only goal is YouTube subscribers right now. Yeah. They're not really in our genre, but it should be able to be like, if you don't, you know like... If you think of it this way, what most of these services are doing now is they're allowing you to sell merch. Yeah, well, yeah. most YouTube stars don't have merch, but they would kill to be able to say, click subscribe to my YouTube channel right with one button right here. And that should be able to be a thing or at least two clicks to get to their YouTube page. And I think that's the thing is a nonprofit who's interested in just helping musicians can do that. A Spotify who's now doing videos or a title who's doing videos do not want you going to YouTube. So that's totally against their interests, and I think that was another reason we need a service like this.
0: Yes. Um, And these are the exact areas, obviously, where competition would be good for each other. Um, Yes. Because these things tend to be adopted elsewhere when someone comes up with a no-brainer feature, and while it can be a bummer for that first place to lose their uh, exclusivity on a feature, like... Uh, you know, ultimately, what's best, what's best for everyone is is great. So that was it for
1: features. So I guess I should explain why we're talking about this and why I gave up on this.
0: Why did Why did you fail to save the music industry, Jesse Cannon? <laughs> I just after seeing that that those bribes, you know. So my next
1: idea is I started going on LinkedIn. I I signed into LinkedIn for the first time in four years. I started trying to find people to talk to a title, and then over the past few weeks, all you'd see is these articles about what a shit show title is, what a train wreck it is, and I just – I don't feel like if I had approached any of these services, they could have it. So I decided to set this idea free because I would just like to see somebody implement it, and if they think these ideas are good, I'd love to use the product. I know I'm going to keep coming up with good ideas. I know the project I'm working on now is a great idea, and I'm really excited about it. It's decent,
0: people. Yeah, fuck off. Um, Whoa! He didn't make me read a 20-page thing, so it's even better. Yeah, I just gave you the the elevator uh, spiel.
1: The elevator spiel. Pitch. You know, I'll come up with other things, and I'd love to just see this go out there. I gave up on finding a home for this. And I just think it's the thing. There was part of me that was like, well, you know, if I could get indie bands to sign up to this first, we could pressure the major labels by saying, hey, I can't believe you're going with services that don't pay you your artists as much. You should really be going to us if we got the profit up. And then I thought about, do I really want to live my life going to war with major labels for years, especially when the founder of Groove Shark was just found dead today?
0: That's dark, Jesse. Just saying. You're man. old enough as it is. We don't need to add these things into your life. Dog, I'm just saying. I like living this easy,
1: breezy, stress-free, hipster life I live. Like, the most stressful thing I have is going to see that Amy
0: Winehouse documentary and crying for two hours. So that's how I felt, like, when I saw Inside Out by Pixar. Oh, my God, you nerd. You <laughs> nerd.
1: I should also mention that if you want to read the proposal, I actually wrote all 20 pages of it that Zach Agonized over. Uh, it's available on offtherecord.fm and the show notes.
0: Do you have any recommendations? I finally started season three of Orange is the New Black on Saturday. You know, this weird thing happened where because I didn't start, Grace watched it without me because she is a terrible girlfriend. And because I didn't start it like the day it, Went live. I had, um, I didn't have less of a desire to watch it, but I, I almost felt intimidated. Even nothing had been spoiled for me, but I was kind of like, there's just less urgency because I didn't start when everyone else did. And so I finally started. Now I've I, I binge watched half of the season in a day, and I, I think this is the best one. But it's the best season. Yeah. It's really, really good. But like, yes, I'm really liking that basically. And uh, Mr. Robot still continues to be sick. Yeah, it's the best show. And on now, TV. I, after episode four, I'm fully in on Fight Club. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. That it, it's modern But I wonder if they're going to how long they're going to keep that up. I feel like it has to come to an end. Soon. I I, th-
1: I think that's the thing is they're they're gonna let they're gonna let it let it go after season one, and then it's gonna to continue to be a great show with that as part of the premise. Yeah, yeah. So I also read a tip on, on Up Rocks. They kind of tipped that hat. Oh, did I? Yes. Um. I think my only recommendation was Amy, and I already tipped my hat on that. Oh. I've just been watching tons of Two Broke Girls because I'm brain dead and I can't do anything
0: else. Right when now. you tweeted that you had that, it was a shocking moment in my life. Or that Dude, you- its about it's about Williamsburg life. That's how I'm living,
1: dog. I mean, even though it's the most ridiculous shit on earth, and nothing they do seems like actual Williamsburg, but I still enjoy it. And you know, I got a big crush I, on cat. The, oh, the only crush great. I have more than cat. Kat Dennings is Carrie Bechet on Halt and Catch Fire.
0: Still, it's on my list. Oh, jeez. I may get into that in August. Oh, um, I've, I've, I've almost pushed through all my other summer shows right now. So that's next on my side. I use an I use a website called SideReel uh, where I track all my shows by episode so I never miss anything. Um, and the that, fact that you can't do that by brain. You have no idea how much TV I watch.
1: I Dude, I think I watch just as much TV no, as you and I can still keep track of it because no, you know what man. I do? As I illegally download, I do it. Or if I hit play on the show and I see
0: I've watched it before, I go to the next one. No, man, I, I have too many shows on too many networks on too many services. I watch. I no one watches nearly as much television as I do. And I'm not uh, bragging. You, 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 I'm not bragging. Uh, it's uh, just uh, like Zach, it's I, bad. I, th-
1: I think you and I are two peas in a pod in this one. I think I think we're gonna have to ha- have to actually measure this one out and see which of us is watching more shows. To to see if you're actually
0: right about this. All right, man. I uh. I'm I mean, not, I think Google again. Is, I'm not trying to brag here. It's just
1: I, I'm am more saying out of curiosity. I'm I not trying track to compete.
0: 78 television shows on side reel. Those shows are obviously not all happening at the same time. Some of them have fallen. Wow. Well, maybe by you the way, do side. watch.
1: Maybe you do watch more than me.
0: I watch a ton. There. I am typically like in a fall, or you know, in the you know, starting in the fall, I am probably watching 20 TV shows at one time. And I, and and you know those then rotate out because then some winter ones come on or summer ones come on. I watch an, an inordinate amount of television, and again, not bragging, just the reality of my life. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna
1: now give you this one because there's no way I'm watching that. Yeah, much.
0: seriously, no one watches nearly as much television as I do. Like <laughs> it's because I, and I need the television because it's sent, just like you watching Two Broke Girls. It it is my like it is my. uh that is my binge drinking. <laughs> and so, so, so see, I, so I just need something on in the
1: background when I have to answer the stupid emails I get all day of asking, um, what is a vocal up mix? <laughs> Take us out.
0: Well, thank you for listening to Off the Record, and we are sorry for not saving the music industry. Um, maybe one day. Maybe we'll just burn it all down. You can uh, keep up with us if you are listening live on Adobe by subscribing at offtherecord.fm or on iTunes, and you can leave us questions on Twitter or Tumblr. Uh, Thank you, and we will be back next week with episode 64.